You're watching the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates' Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now here's today's lesson. Welcome to Jail Bible Study. My name is Kevin McCarthy, and we're on Section 5, or five, Lecture 5, on creation, fall, and the rescue of Jesus Christ, redemption of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to start over again. Steve, I just got a little bit. Just go ahead. Just got a little bit thrown. Okay, hang on. Pause. Cancel. Here we go. In three, two, one. Welcome to Jail Bible Study. My name is Kevin McCarthy. And the last four weeks we've been studying the four major themes of the Bible, which we can't say they are the only ones, but I'm trying to simplify this so we see the theme of Christ throughout the Bible, from the beginning of the pages of Genesis all the way to Revelation. So we're talking about the creation we've spoken about for three weeks, and last week we spoke about the fall and the fall of Jesus Christ. But the creation, God created everything perfectly. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Just like we see a hummingbird fly, we don't know how it flies, but we know there's only one creator that could possibly do that. So we raised a couple of questions last week, and this lecture today, this sermon today, is on the tragic effects of the fall. And a tragedy it was. As we saw earlier, Adam and Eve tried to take their, their lives into their own hands. They disobeyed God. They were told not to eat from the tree of good and evil, and they disobeyed. They made themselves their own God and they thought that they knew more and their sense of pride and their self-will was in part um, given to them by Satan. Satan did influence them, but ultimately they were responsible. Just like we are responsible for ourselves. We can't use those excuses we used when we were younger children and said, oh, it's not my fault. Billy made me do it or Billy did it first. We can't do those things once we're an adult or once we're really of age and once we come to Christ. So a couple things I want to talk about today. And we talked about how one, one action by Adam and Eve would cause all sin, all destruction, and all the evil in the world. It's, it's hard for us to even grasp that. But we did talk last week, one, um, one decision, one evil decision that I think stands out you know, that we can relate to if we're older than 50 years old, and even if we're not older, than 50 years old, is the constant, constant debate of abortion. Now, we as Christians know that abortion is murder, but if we go back to 1970 to the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade, we saw that the court legitimized, they sanctioned, and they approved abortion. Now, think about the tragedy since that time. I mean, six, there's over 62 million lives and I don't think anyone can really grasp 62 million lives, but, but that's more than all the people in England and France together. And you take the numbers going back to 1970 of those children not being born and then they having two or three children, and the impact is, it's, it blows one away. So we think about how that one faulty decision or that evil decision made by man um, has caused all that murder. Now, it's, like, it's a genocide is what it is. The uh, Jews during World War II, there were 6 million Jews. Well, this is going to be 12 times that. 
Okay, so the effects of Adam and Eve, we go to a verse that I like, and it's hard to sometimes grasp it, but if we go to Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. How can we understand it? Okay, well, we think back to Adam and Eve's decision, and I want to do touch on, on four key things that Christ did in Genesis chapter 3 to save man. So we'll talk about those things. But first of all, I want to give a couple examples that are tragedies in today's world. I mean, we read the news daily, oftentimes, like I do, and I read a story two weeks ago that it's hard to fathom, but a father in North Carolina shot his wife, strangled and drowned his three children, then shot himself. So imagine the, 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 just the tragedy or the, the families, the neighbors, all those, the impact, even me as just casually reading the paper, it just haunts me sometimes. I think about how could someone do that? Or a 14-year-old boy in Alabama last month who was, I believe, smoking marijuana at a young age already, but he was under the care of his grandmother, took a pistol in the house, shot his grandmother, shot his sister, took the money, and he was apprehended at Walmart. He was going to buy some kind of electronics, either a new, uh, a new phone or a new tablet, but just think about that, a 14-year-old boy. So we know probably if he doesn't, didn't have a mother and father living with him that he was impacted also by their sinful living. So he's living with his grandparents, but what a terrible, terrible tragedy. So it leads us into a few things I want to touch on. And we, we ask this question, where did evil come from? So we'll see as we go back to our Bibles in Genesis chapter 3 and 4. Um, I want to talk about something about sin. Once sin starts, it's kind of like gravity. When I say gravity, when I drop this pen, it falls. But when we are together, when we are one in Christ, when we are saved by our, through faith in Jesus Christ, when we are saved by Christ, Christ holds us, okay? He holds us from falling into the depths of sin. Now, we may sin, but we don't cast ourselves into it. We don't live for our sins. We repent and we come back. We ask for forgiveness and Christ forgives us. So when we're in Christ, we're, we're held up, almost like a child swimming. Who doesn't know to swim yet? He has a life jacket on. Without that life jacket, he sinks. Well, the life jacket for us is Jesus Christ. When we put that life jacket on, he surrounds us, he supports us, he lifts us. He protects us from evil. And ultimately, we are given eternal life. So all of you who are born again believers right now, take comfort, take joy that from that moment on, when Jesus Christ came to you, woke you out of your sins, and you came to him in faith and accepted him and begged for him, have, have hope, have promise that eternal life was granted to you from that on. So we are living in a state of grace right now. Now we see all the evil in the world right now, terrible things happening every day. But we have to take comfort that Christ has chosen us, we are his, and we do have eternal life, and we do have his grace. So I want to touch on four things that 
Genesis reveals about Jesus Christ. It's, it's beautiful because I never really understood the Old Testament until I did a Bible study on Genesis. And the writer of Genesis we talked about is Moses, but I want to touch on four things that give me hope, give me comfort, and show the love that Jesus Christ had for Adam and Eve after they rejected, after they, after they disobeyed him. I want to show you how much that God loved Adam and Eve. So chapter 3, verse 8, and they heard, that would be Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So how foolish. We spoke about that last week. They're trying to run from, run from Jesus or run from God. Now, if we look at this, we see in the Bible there are several instances before God manifests himself in Jesus Christ in the birth through Mary and Joseph. We see many, uh, many examples where Jesus comes into, comes into the world to show himself, to reveal himself, and to display what's in future for those that are in Christ. So the Lord God called the man. So he takes a human form here and called him and said, the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound in the garden, Adam said, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God's Jesus or the incarnate Jesus Christ or God says, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? The man said, remember we said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave the fruit to me and I ate. Okay, so what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, I want to tell you this, this, this. It's amazing how God is already displaying his grace to sinners. Sinners like us. They've sinned. They're the first. They're told they have the promise of eternal life. They were given everything. They rejected it. They blew it. But God's going to give them a second chance. And that's comforting to all of us. We really don't deserve second chances because we are all sinners. But he's given all of us, not two chances, but many, many, many chances. When we rejected him, when we were sinners, when we reveled in our sin, he's a God of so many chances. So he comes back to them. So that's example number one. He's, he comes to them in the garden. He finds them hiding. We all know we can't hide from Christ. The second um, point I want to identify is also John um, 3.14. We talked a little bit about this, but his promise is in this verse that he's going to defeat Satan and sin. So once again, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring. He, meaning Jesus, shall bruise the head of Satan. By that, he will destroy Satan. He will crush Satan. Satan will put him on the cross through the, all the evil players of the Bible. But Jesus always, God always prevails through his son, Jesus Christ. A third example, and this is really, really awesome. I love this. He's going to provide an animal sacrifice to cover their bodies with garments. So we know in Hebrews 9.22, the author of Hebrews, which we're not sure if it's Paul or perhaps Barnabas, 
But the author in 922 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So we're going to see this play out right now as we read this, and we will see the incredible display of Christ shedding his blood for his people on the cross. So let's read briefly from Genesis 3, 20, 3.20. And the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Verse 21, the Lord God, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now, I never saw this the first few times I read this. But the beautiful thing about being sanctified, remember, we are saved through Christ dying on the cross. We are, we are saved through grace, through faith, through Christ alone. But he doesn't leave us with just pennies in our pocket. He gives us so many more riches through his sanctification. So sanctification is being made more like him. When we read our Bibles, when we pray, when we listen to sermons, when we are around other believers, God works through us, through all those means, to make us more like him. So as we read our Bibles, which I really encourage you to do, is to read your Bibles consistently. Have a daily plan weekly plan, go to church regularly, listen to sermons, get together with other believers, discuss the word. But it says, the Lord God made for Adam his wife garments of skin. Well, why would he do that? Well, this is deeply symbolic, and I want to touch a little bit about this, because the covering for Adam and Eve for their sin points to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who covers our sins by his death on the cross. So if we look back to the Old Testament, there's always a blood sacrifice. Sacrifice of lamb, sheep, goats, cattle, because the life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. So Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus, who is walking back with Adam and Eve 6,000 years ago, is going to create or create those, those garments of skin and clothe them. So he's pointing to himself. Pretty amazing, pretty awesome. And also the verse from Ephesians. If you look at Ephesians 1.7, I want to read this to you because it's a beautiful verse that has so much in it. I looked at it a few times today. It says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So we could have a whole sermon on this verse, but in him, Christ, we are redeemed. He died on the cross for our sins. He took our place. He was our substitute. His shed blood, and only his shed blood, only through a death on the cross, could he take upon his his shoulders are sin. But it's, it's through the blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses. So we know that through the death on the cross, he takes his, our sins and our trespasses and takes them from us, okay? According to the riches of his grace. And grace, remember, is blessings and goodness we don't deserve. We don't deserve it at all. So Adam and Eve are seeing this 
undeserved grace, they're seeing this redemption, they're seeing this forgiveness of probably well, the first sin and could have been probably the worst sin because it started this downward avalanche into sin. We'll see that in just a moment as we read what happens, see what happens to their sons Cain and Abel. But looking back and finishing that up, the fourth point, okay, this is the third one is forgiveness, providing the, the garments to cover their, cover their nakedness and cover their sin. So the Lord God said to the man, he's become one of us knowing good and evil. Now he warns him. In verse 22, he says, now lest he reach out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. What he's going to point to right now, good, the Lord God is going to point to that no longer Adam and Eve, since their disobedience, since their trespass, since their eating from the tree of good and evil, from, from their, their covetous, they wanted to covet, they wanted to be like him. He's going to cast them out. So he says, therefore, the Lord God sent them out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, there's a lot. There's a lot right here, but I want to kind of explain a little bit and maybe make it so we can understand they were given everything they wanted. It wasn't enough. It's like humans. They, they, I think about, remember Jay Leno, the comedian? He, he loves cars, doesn't he? He loves cars. And he's got a garage. He's got, he's got hundreds, maybe thousands of cars that are all unique. And he, he, He's always looking for one more. Well, that's how we are. We're always looking for one more, one more thing, one more. And Adam and Eve were looking for one more to be their own boss. So Lord God's going to send them out of the garden. No longer are they in the garden. No longer are they in heaven on earth. Because they've sinned, there's consequences. And there's serious consequences, as you'll see. Sends them out of the garden. They're going to have to work the land. No longer will they have things at their disposal. They'll have to work. There'll be insects, bugs, snakes, all kinds of predators. But most importantly, he drives them out and he places a sword there. Now, what this is, means, this flaming sword, is no longer do Adam and Eve, and no longer does man, no longer can they choose their salvation. Okay? Because the tree of life, who is the tree of life? Well, think about it. Who's life? Jesus Christ is life. He was the tree of life in the garden that they tried to choose. And they disobeyed through Satan. So no longer can man choose his own salvation. It's going to be through Christ alone. Okay, through faith alone, through Christ alone. There's no other way. They can't earn their way. They can't work their way. They can't give their way. A lot of people today think they can give their way through what we call sometimes social justice, doing good works. Hey, the Bible commends us to do good works, but... We can't earn our way to heaven, and nor could Adam and Eve, or nor could any of his descendants now, choose their own salvation. 
So just like a tragic novel, and just like some of those tragedies I spoke about earlier where a husband murdered his wife and murdered his children, it seems like it happens every month. I'll share with you the story Cain and Abel, and it's a, it's a, such a, it's a really gut-wrenching story to read because we think about, we go, how could these things happen today? You know, these people dying over, all the people over in, in, in Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan being murdered and killed, how could that happen? We look right here. One generation from Adam and Eve, we're going to see probably this, one of the saddest stories in the Bible. And I'll read this. Chapter 4. Get your Bibles open. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. He knew her intimately, sexually. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. Okay. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of sheep and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So what does this mean? Cain and Abel brought sacrifices. And why was Abel's acceptable to God and why wasn't Cain's? Well, what we can't see right here and what the Bible intends for us to see and with grace from God, we were, we were revealed that Cain brought a sacrifice and he had in his heart, he did not have a love and a respect and a reverence and an awe for, for God. He just kind of took his grain together. He could have taken a pile of wheat. He didn't really sift it out. There could have been weeds in there. But what we know now is through this sermon, we know that it was not his best. He took, he took God as just kind of a huh, passerby. He didn't really think much of him. Now, Abel, who works with animals, he realizes that, that God is the giver of life, that God gives everything. We owe everything to God every single minute, every single day. And do we do that at night? Do we thank the Lord before we go to bed? We thank the Lord at our meals, find time for prayer? Because Abel brought his best, and it was a blood sacrifice. It was an animal. And we know that through, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So this is a blood sacrifice that he is preparing for God to honor and respect him and to give him all the glory. But Cain had kind of a, I hate to use this word, kind of a half-ass. He had a half-ass disrespect. It wasn't respectful. It's kind of, okay, I'll do it. Just like some people. I remember going to church when I was younger. A lot of, some people, okay, oh, you know, eh, I go to church, you know, I, I just go, you know, I, I go because probably should, probably should go. Disrespect, they don't, did not go with a heart that prepared themselves. We're grateful. So, it says, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, there was no regard. But Cain got angry, okay? You would think if God was speaking to him, 
you would think he would be completely humbled. You would think he would just be, oh, repentant. You know, Lord, I can't believe it. You know, you please give me another chance. And I will give a, a, a sacrifice that, that means for my heart. I will give you the best next time. He doesn't do that. So verse 6 says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? So if you do well, in my eyes, won't you be accepted? And why are you angry, he says. He says then, very important words here, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. That's a verse for all of us. Now, when I'm in jail, I speak to gentlemen, fellows in the jail, I always tell them, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is for you. You must rule over it, okay? Even as a believer, I've got thoughts in my head. Sometimes I get angry at people, my wife or whatever. I react to something because of my own pride, my own laziness, whatever. But we must rule over it. And that's one of the problems. People don't rule over their emotions. Don't, don't rule over. The Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And this is what he's saying here. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But Cain is a hothead. He's angry, he's jealous of his brother, he's envy of his brother, he's angry at God. So when this one generation from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel, we're seeing, like we talked about before, the downward fall into deeper and deeper sin. And I don't know about you, but I think one of the, well, the worst sin of all is murder. But to murder your own brother, I mean, that's, that's evil. So evil, through Satan in the garden, tempting Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve falling into sin, taking things on their own, we see it fall right into the hearts. The darkness, evil, Satan manifests itself in Cain. So Cain says, Cain spoke to Abel's brother in verse 8, and when they're in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? Abel said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Kind of like his parents. Parents tried to hide in the garden just probably a couple years earlier. They tried to hide in the garden from God. You can't hide from God. Well, he's trying to hide from God. He lies, covers his lie, covers the murder with a lie. How'd he kill him? Could have been a sharp spear he made could have hit him with a rock over the head, could have grabbed a vine or a rope or an animal skin, choked him. We don't know, but he doesn't answer. He says, he says, God says, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you, work the, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to your strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. I tell you what, this shows so much mercy right here. 
God shows mercy right here. God could have killed him with a lightning bolt. God could have struck him dead. God could have done anything he wanted to. But God has a plan. God's going to allow this evil through Cain to result in a generation, a generation of many, many evil people. So he says, you shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. So no longer will you be in this garden, he says. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you've driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. I'm on my own now. You're cast, I'm cast out. He acts like, what did I do? You're kicking me out? Poor me, right? So the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. Look at this. The Lord says to the murder of the first children of Adam and Eve, says to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now next week we've got another lesson. We're going to cover just a, a short review of what's going to happen to Cain, what's going to happen to Adam and Eve. They're going to have another child. And this child will bear the line that will ultimately be the line of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible story. It starts with Adam and Eve. It starts, remember, creation, the fall of man through sin, this evil, evil act. But it reminds us that salvation, even in Adam and Eve, even in Abel, our salvation is through grace alone, through God's gift, undeserving grace, undeserving gift that we don't deserve, through grace alone. And God is going to give Abel, he will give his line, the faith, faith in Jesus Christ alone. So they're saved by faith alone, grace alone, faith alone, through Christ alone. A beautiful story, and I thank you for listening in today. We'll find out the rest of the story next week. God bless.